All right, good morning, church. Good morning, Crossroads Ministries. Happy Easter. I want to thank you all for being here. He's risen. Amen. Amen. For those of you who are joining us online, I want to thank you for tuning in. Would you please stand and worship with us here this morning if you're in the auditorium? Here we go. Let's put our hands together here this morning. The risen Savior. Amen.
Happy Easter, church. You can have a seat. He is risen. He's risen indeed. Hey, it's so good to celebrate with you on this Easter Sunday. We have much to celebrate, don't we, church? We worship our risen Savior who is alive and is reigning, is in charge, who is, is like everything that we've got going on, and he's sitting on his throne, and there's confidence in the Lord. And I want to share with you that if you are our guest this morning, whether you're online, you're here in the building, welcome. We're glad you're here. Glad you're joining us, our church family. So it's always good to see you. Uh, but listen, we're thankful that you're here, and we are just thrilled at what God's doing. We've seen powerful services on Good Friday last night, and then it's 930, and listen, God's going to continue to just move. And we're going to see lives change at Crossroads this morning and all over the world, because God is on the move. Amen. Hey, listen, I want to I want, I uh, challenge you one thing. Well, first of all, I want to introduce myself. My name is Luke. I'm one of the pastors here at Crossroads, and uh, I'm just glad to be with you this morning and to worship the Lord this morning with you. And I want to encourage you, if you, this connect card that I have in my hand, if you would reach in front of the pocket or underneath your seat and grab this, and we'd just challenge you and cons- just consider filling that out, you know, for two reasons. One, would you just write a prayer request, something we can pray for you and your family? And also, too, would you just... Um, let us know if there's, you know, something that we can uh, do to serve you and your family. You know, we, we know that uh, everybody's got stuff, and we want to be able to connect with you and help you grow in your walk with the Lord. Or if this is your first time and you're our guest, we would love to connect with you and talk more about what Crossroads is all about. Uh, and, and also, too, we'd love to pray for you. And so you can, uh, as you're on your way out, you can put those in the bucket uh, in the foyer. And also, if this is your first time, would you please take your Connect card to the Welcome Center because we'd love to give you something, by a gift, by just saying thanks for being here with us. So please take that Connect card to the Welcome Center. Uh, we'd love to connect with you there. But listen, there's all kinds of ways um, to connect here at Crossroads. And, and, and listen, and there's all kinds of things happening here too, things for families, kids, students, adults. And so if you check out your bulletin, there's more information about what's happening here at Crossroads. You can also check things out on our website. And so we're looking forward to connecting with you and just helping you grow and Continuing to just uh, connect as a church family and, and just seeing what God has in store for all of us. Um, I also just want to say, church, thank you for your faithfulness in giving. And thank you. And we know God's giving, God's giving us. You know, he, what, what he gives us, we give back because we've been blessed. We've been changed. And so this Easter, we're, or, uh, we just would like to, for you to consider, you know, giving above and beyond. Uh, in honor of what Christ has done for you, has done for us, would you consider giving a special gift this Easter Sunday? And just watching what God's going to do and how he's going to use that to change lives. And so we're thankful to be a part of what God's doing here at Crossroads and the Finleyville and, and Pittsburgh and, and what he's doing worldwide in the church. And so God is moving and, and it's, great to be, it's great to be here. Um, I also just want to say thank you for giving online and through the mail and through the boxes on the wall. And just for being faithful um, as we're just we're, try, we're trying to follow Jesus, right? 
That's what we're trying to do. So would you pray with me? Actually, would you stand as we uh, continue on and then we pray this morning? Thank you. Lord, we love you. Thanks for uh, just the songs that we've already sung. And Lord, the ones we're about to sing, we're celebrating. And Lord, maybe uh, this is the first time that we've heard some of these songs. Or maybe uh, we're just thinking about past Easter's and we're thinking about, you know, family memories. And God, we know that uh, that Easter just... It, it, it's it's full of um, of wonderful. It's full of hard. It's full of uh, just different emotions. And God, we know that at the end of all that, um, Lord, as we wrestle through those earthly things, that we can cling to something powerful and the truth um, that you, Jesus, are our living hope. So, Lord, as we continue to sing and celebrate, uh, meet us where we're at. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for changing us. Thank you for coming to this earth um, and for saving us from our sins. Lord, we love you so much. In your name, Amen. Jesus commands my destiny. 
Father, we want to thank you again for this Easter morning. The sacrifice that you made for us and then to rise again. You took a tool of Roman death and destruction and turned it into a pathway for us to have everlasting life. Lord, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for the joy that comes with this day. We thank you for dying for our sins that we may have everlasting life in you as you ascend to sit on the seat and on your throne, the right hand of God the Father. In your name we pray. Amen. Easter, that's our message, isn't it? That's why we come here. That's why we gather. That's why we celebrate this morning. Let's thank God for the risen Lord this morning. Thank Him for who He is. 
as we uh, as we jump into the resurrection, the the history of the resurrection. I, now, I don't like to say it's a story because it's not a story. It's history. It's his story. Amen. The story of God Almighty. God Almighty came to the earth and he paid the price for my sin. He paid the price for your sin. That's what it's all about. But as you as you go into the story, I want you to step in. I always like to, you know, I read this and I'm like remembering like, hey, what was what was really going on here? Think of the emotions. Think of the pain that these people were in. And uh, on Saturday, when you think about it, you know, you have Good Friday, then you roll into Saturday. Jesus hung on the cross on Good Friday. We came and we celebrated Good Friday. This was wall-to-wall people. It was incredible. We lifted the name up on high, thanking him for his sacrifice. Amen? The Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin for us. And so his, uh, your sin was laid upon Jesus Christ on the cross. And it went totally dark. It went, the lights went out. And Jesus died. And he suffered, he suffered separation from the Father. He cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then he breathes his last. Before he breathes his last, he says, it is finished. The telestai, it is paid in full. God has paid the price for your sin. He breathes his last breath. And then they've got to figure out what to do. The Roman soldier comes over and, and says, that, you know, hey, normally we break all the legs, but they decide not to break the leg this time because he was already dead. I mean, and, and so as they come up to them, uh, and now here, here's, uh, it's the, it, the Scripture says it was the day of preparation. It was the day before the Sabbath. So in other words, Sabbath would start at sundown. So they would have to get Jesus off the cross. Uh, a typical Roman crucifixion didn't really care about burial too much. It was such a barbaric, it was such a humiliating death, it was such a humiliation, it was all about defaming and humiliating the person on the cross, that after the person would die, they would quite often let the person just hang there. Uh, they would let, you know, birds would be coming and picking at them, and it would just be this, just this terrible thing, that, and the, the burial, they'd just lay them in piles of heaps all over the place. But when Jesus died, the, the Jews, they, they didn't like, the, you know, the Jews wanted to have a proper burial. So when Jesus died, the Jews come and, uh, and, uh, and we want to get him down. We want to put him in a tomb. So a guy named Joseph of Arimathea comes and says, hey, I'm going to offer to you my family tomb. And the way a family tomb worked was, was like this. You would have a tomb. You'd have like a, a, a etched out of a cave, if you will, almost like into the hillside. And so you'd have this tomb, and they would sit, put a stone over, make a channel, and roll, uh, roll the stone over the tomb. And, uh, and, and you could remove the stone so that as other relatives died, so they would take the body of your deceased, and they would wrap the deceased into the, into the linens and all. It was their, uh, for lack of a better term, their embalming of the day. They would put the body in there on the shelf. And then as other relatives would die, you would simply move that body over and you'd place the next body in. So thus the stone could be rolled away. Well, when Jesus died, Joseph of Arimathea comes and says, Hey, I've got, a, I've got this and I'd, like, I'd be honored for Jesus to be in, uh, in my, <laughs> buried in my tomb. So he comes to him and this, uh, this man, Joseph of Arimathea, he's a, a follower of Christ, the scriptures tell us, comes and offers him. He's kind of like a secret follower. And there's many people like that today. They kind of are checking him out from a distance. Whenever Jesus died, Joseph of Arimathea comes out and he says, Man, 
This is, this, I, want to, I want to do this for him. I want to serve him in this way. So they go and they take his body down off the cross. They have to get him into the tomb before the Sabbath. So they do it quickly and, and they wrap him up and they take him down and he's put into the tomb. The scriptures tell us that the, that the stone was rolled over. They actually put a seal around it because they didn't want to have any stories coming out about Jesus. They didn't want to have, uh, they didn't want the, uh, the, the words of the, uh, of, the, of the religious leaders was they didn't want his followers taking his body. And so they put, they, they sealed the tomb. They put a guards around it. They had four guards uh, that would change every four hours around the clock that were guarding this tomb so that nobody would come and mess with his body. That, like these Jewish, re, Jewish religious leaders did not want to have any funny business happening here with the story of Jesus. They wanted it to be over. They crucified him. They're like, we're not going to take any more. We are back in power. Friday night, I want you to think about this good Friday. Hope is lost. Like today, we go back and celebrate good Friday, but in that day, Hope was lost because they did not know, they did not understand fully that Jesus would come back to life. What do you do when a family member dies? You get together and you talk. And you all come together. And so these disciples, the, 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 the scriptures tell us that was, they were scattered. But we also see the sense of them kind of grieving. A couple here, a couple there. And just imagine them getting together and just talking. And just going through and saying, man... You know, I can't believe he's gone. I can't believe he's gone. And you know, whenever we've lost family members, this is what we do. We get together and there's food and the neighbors are bringing food. Everybody's caring for you. There's a whole lot of love that's going on. And then, uh, then you start sharing memories. You start to share some memories that make you laugh. Then you share the ones that make you cry. And could you imagine them just sitting there and, you know, Peter. I love Peter. I can always pick on Peter because I'm a Peter, right? I'm like up and down like Peter was, right? And so... Like, uh, can you imagine Peter all of a sudden saying, yeah, wasn't that really cool the day he took the loaves and the fishes? And and they just start talking about it and they share the memory. Wasn't it really cool that like, hey, when Jesus took the loaves and and I gave him the the, the lunch and and I said, okay, you really want to feed them with this? And he says, yeah. And Jesus blessed it and and he starts handing out this food to everybody. and, And we had all that food left over and they're just sitting there laughing and saying, man, we thought he was crazy. And that look what he did. And how about the day he turned the water into wine? Wasn't that the... I did that last night. You'd think I'd learn twice, right? I'll start kicking him, right? Man, you know, and, and the water turned into wine. And so, so you got this water. Man, wasn't that cool? And then they start laughing about all these things and having good memories. And, and then all of a sudden they start to cry. But he's gone. It's over. Like we, we hoped, we thought we were going to be in the cabinet of the new king. We thought he was going to take over and, and now he's gone. And so they go through that on Saturday, Friday night, Saturday, Saturday evening. And then on the first day of the week, John chapter 20, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark. And she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Remember, this thing was sealed. It had guards. So she's incredibly alarmed. Then she came and ran to Simon Peter and told the other disciples whom Jesus loved and said to them, They've taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. 
Like, she doesn't come back and say, hey, guess what? He's alive. That's what we do in the plays, you know? I went and saw a passion play, and that's what they do. It's like all of a sudden, he's dead, he's dead, and then in comes Mary. He's alive! No. You know what she came back and said? He's dead. And they took his body. Where did he go? Peter, John, this is a criminal activity. Jesus was killed. They put him in a tomb. He's been in there for three days. And, and here we are, and he's dead. What is going on here? They've taken him away. They've taken him out of the Lord. I don't know where they've done with him. So verse 3, Peter therefore went out, and the other disciple, this is John writing here, so he's, that's how he refers to himself, the other disciple. Uh, they were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. I love that. John's like, well, I am a quicker runner than Peter. (laughs) He, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not come in. You know, John was a good law-abiding citizen, you wouldn't walk across a tomb that had been sealed. Like this this was a legal issue here. He wasn't going to, about to walk across it. And then Simon Peter came following him, and he went into the tomb. Well, there's Peter again. He's, you know, Peter's not, not too worried about the law at this point. Peter's like me. Ask forgiveness, not permission, right? So Peter goes in. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and then the handkerchief that had been around his head, that it wasn't lying with the other linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciples who came to the tomb first went in also and He saw and believed. John finally comes in and he sees and he believes. We have Mary. She runs and says that he's gone. They've taken his body. Peter comes in and he's investigating. The the word for saw, it's this word that like he was seeing. He was taking it all in. He's investigating. He's not ready to go and believe. And John tells you, yeah, but I, I really believed at that point. That's, that's what John does. John says he believes there. But let me tell you, there was a whole lot of doubt rolling around at this point because nobody expected no body at the tomb. Did you catch that? No body expected no body at the tomb. They were going down there to see a body in the tomb. They were going to anoint it. They were going to treat the body. They were going to do a proper burial. You know why they had to do the proper burial? Because they let two guys do it whenever they took them off the cross. The ladies had to come in and do it the right way, right? They had to come in and they had to clean it up. So the ladies were going down there to do their job. They were trying to say, hey, we're going we're gonna to just do this. was our custom to continue to treat this body. We, you know, how are we going to get the stone rolled away? We've got a lot of things. But as they get there, they see that the body is gone. The other disciple came to the tomb first, went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand. They did not know the scripture that he must rise from the dead. And at this point... They, listen, Mary's not understanding it yet. Peter's not truly understanding it. And John says he believes, but he's not totally catching it 100% at this point. He says right here, John pens it for you. He says, yet they did not know the Scripture. That didn't all make sense what was really going on. Then the disciples went away again into their own homes. And I want you to think with me about Mary this morning, because I think Mary, as we look at this and we see uh, Mary we see a tremendous lesson about doubt. We see tremendous things that God cares about you. We see an incredible story here of a lady who was going down to, to treat her friend, to care for the body, the dead body of a loved one. And as she goes down to the tomb that day, she is taken by surprise. Now, this was the same Mary who had been there, had watched 
had watched all these things happen, had watched Jesus turn the water into wine, had watched him do the miracles, had listened to his teaching. She was there for the Sermon on the Mount. She was there to hear all of his promises. She was there and heard him say that the Son of Man must suffer and die and that he will rise again she heard him say that she heard him say it over and over i read one scholar said if jesus said it a few times you see mark has put it in there a few times jesus likely said it multiple times over and over and when jesus died they didn't catch it when jesus died she walks into the tomb and she says He's gone. She sees that the stone's been rolled away. His body's not there. What does she say? She says that the body has been taken, not, well, Jesus kept his promise. He rose. Peter, don't you understand? Jesus rose from the dead. No, she had no faith at this moment. Listen, if Mary can go all the way, if Mary could see all that, hear all that, experience all that, and not come up with faith at that moment, may I say to you, that you and I cannot come up with faith either? You know, faith is not something that you come up with. Faith is something that God gives to you. It's a gift from God. Uh, Romans 3.10 says it like this, says that we are not seeking God on our own. Read this with me. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. There's none of us that just all of a sudden wake up and say, I have faith. There's none of us that says, you know what, faith is on my own. As a matter of fact, faith is a gift from God. It's not something that you can work. Many people will talk about their faith. Well, my faith is strong. And, well, listen, the way that you get to heaven is through faith, but it is in the grace of God. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says it like this. For it is by grace that you have been saved. How? Through faith. And let's read what it says that faith is. And that is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Faith is a gift from God. It's the grace of God, and God gives you faith. Now, now check this out, because many people in here, as you come in, you are struggling. You have some doubts this morning. You're like Mary. You go in, and you're, it's not computing. You're saying, why would a God... Come and pay for my sin. Why would he do that for me? I'm nobody. I'm not, you know, who am I that God would do that for me? You struggle with that. Uh, Some of you are struggling with the empty tomb. Listen, the empty tomb wasn't enough. Jesus went around and he actually appeared to 500 witnesses. Anybody can produce an empty tomb. Not anybody can produce a risen Lord. Uh, Buddha is still in the grave. Muhammad is still in the grave. All the leaders of world religions that you have heard about out there, they are still in their graves. Jesus is the only one who left heaven, came to the earth, paid for your sin, said, I'm giving all that I have for you. Go ahead, beat me, destroy me. I am the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. I'm doing it for you. And go ahead, put me in the tomb, put you in the tomb, uh, put Jesus in the tomb. He's dead for three days, and then he rises again. That's the grace from God. You don't deserve it, neither do I. I'm not gonna, when I get to heaven, I'm not going to say, God, you know what? Well, I was a pastor, and I, uh, I, I got to speak to hundreds of people, and I got to tell them, and I visited hospitals, and, and start telling all the things that I did as a pastor. God will say, depart from me, I never knew you. 
That's not how you get into heaven. I can't say, well, God, you know, it's my faith. I had to, I worked really hard in my faith. God will say, the only way you get in here is the grace of God. And the Apostle Paul tells us here that it is through faith you see the grace of God. I want you to think of faith as like a windshield. When you go home and you get in the car today, you're going to remember this lesson. Because what do you do with the windshield? You look what? Through it. If you stare at the windshield, you may never get out of the parking lot. You have a crack in your windshield. Some of you have cracks in them. I had many for many years. And I would watch the crack grow. And if I stared at the crack in my windshield, I would never make it home. And God says, don't stare at the cracks in your faith. Don't stare at all your faith. Stare at the grace of God. You use faith. It is through faith in the finished work of Christ. But it is a gift. So when you have faith, it is a gift from God. It's not because... Well, I have something. Here's what faith is. Faith is going to Jesus and saying, Lord, I have doubts. God, here's my doubts. I need you to help me, and I need your forgiveness. That's what faith is. And so I come before God. God, I don't understand this all. I don't, I, it doesn't make total sense to me. But God, I'm going to take a step of faith, and I'm coming to you, and this is who you are, and this is who I am. So I want to encourage you, we are all a little bit like Mary. Every one of us, there's little tombs, little empty tombs in your life that don't make sense. You're walking into some areas of your life. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's a a relationship. Maybe it's a job situation, a health crisis. And as you walk into those areas that they're, they're empty, it doesn't make sense. And people tell you, well, God loves you and he has a plan for you. And you look at those empty tombs and you say, it doesn't make sense. And I want to tell you this. Look, when Mary walked into the tomb, when she saw it, it doesn't make sense. She had another reason. She said somebody stole the body. She didn't know the greater good that God was doing by rising from the dead. And the same is happening in your life. What are those little empty tombs? You know, God's rattling some of our hearts right now. God's shaking your life. Do you know why your relationships are shaking right now? Do you know why you're, the inner soul of you is messed up so bad right now? Because God is saying, this is the earthquake of the opening of the tomb. God is saying, I am shaking. I am doing something. And then all of a sudden, you blame God for the shaking. You blame God for the emptiness. You blame God for all these things. And God says, listen, I want you to come and I want you to put your faith in me. I died on the cross. You have no clue what I'm about to do. If you want to be in charge, you will get only you can do. God says, I want you to surrender and let me be in charge and let me rise and bring new life to the death in your life. There was a man by the name of C.S. Lewis. You've heard me quote C.S. Lewis, and C.S. Lewis was one of the greatest Christian thinkers of our day. C.S. Lewis was a a guy who grew up in Ireland, grew up in the Church of Ireland, I should say. He grew up in the Church of Ireland, and and, uh, he was, uh, at the age of 15, he actually became an atheist. He said, I want nothing to do with God. He said that that uh, that's not for me. I don't believe it. And from the age of 15 to the age of 29, he was a vehement atheist. At the the age of 29, he ran into a friend named J.R.R. Tolkien. You ever heard of that guy? He wrote The Lord of the Rings. 
J.R.R. Tolkien was a follower of Christ. He was a believer in Jesus. And he began to share the good things about Jesus. And he began to talk to him about his doubt. He said, hey, listen, with your doubt, let's keep going the journey. And he took him and he kept loving him, kept bringing him to Christ. Through a period of about two years, C.S. Lewis kept hearing the message, kept hearing, kept hearing about the new life that could come in his life. And C.S. Lewis, after being a vehement atheist for almost 15 years of his life, becomes a follower of Jesus Christ. And you know what? He went out and he wrote a book. He's written many books, but he wrote a book about his experience. It's called Surprised by Joy. You know what he was surprised by? He was not surprised by, hey, all the facts finally made sense, and I got all these intellectual things. And listen, he was one of the greatest intellectual Christian thinkers of our day. I love the quote C.S. Lewis. I love to use many of his works. It's a great, anything you read, go read Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. It will help you so much. But let me tell you what C.S. Lewis said in, in his book, Surprised by Joy. He basically says this. He was surprised by the difference that Christ could actually make when I actually trust him. And I want to take you to that this morning because here was Mary. Mary was lacking faith. God has to be the one who gives us faith. Faith is a gift from God. And so here's what's happening. Um, He is coming to you and he wants to do something in your life. Look here at John chapter 20, uh, continuing on in uh, verse 11. But Mary stood outside the tomb. This is her second trip down. She stood outside the tomb, and she wept. She stooped down and looked into the tomb. She saw two angels who were sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. She said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take care of him. And then Jesus, I love this, Jesus calls her by name. He says, Mary. And she turned and said, Rabboni, which means teacher. In other words, here's what happened. Jesus knew her name, and Jesus called her name And there was a verse, Jesus said this. He said that the sheep will know the voice of the shepherd. And Jesus right there, man, he was her shepherd. He knew, she knew the voice. She turned around and she says, it's you, Jesus. And so Jesus said to her, Mary, uh, and she turned and said to him, Rabbi, which is to say teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me. Oh, man, Mary got all huggy right away, you know. Oh, yeah, some people are like that. They just get all huggins. It's like, don't touch me, don't touch me, stop it, stop it. You know, could you imagine that? It happens to me all the time. <laughs> no, listen, I want to encourage you. Jesus says, listen, don't touch me. I have yet to ascend to my Father in heaven. And, and what he was saying is, listen, you're close with me. You don't even need to touch me to be close. And folks, in, in your life, we don't need to have the physical Jesus standing here. We get to have closeness, intimacy with God for a lifetime and for eternity. 
Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brother and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that, she had, and that he had spoken these things to her. So I want to share this with you today. Jesus is continually seeking after you. Jesus is continuing to look for you. He's coming. Listen, Luke 19.10 said that he has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus is seeking after you. You say, but I have doubts. You don't understand. You don't understand what I've done in my life. How could God love me? These are your objections. These are the things that are holding you back. Let me tell you today, Jesus is pursuing you. He's coming after you. He was relentless. He will not walk away. He is seeking a relationship with you. He wants you to have a relationship with him. Jesus has come and he is seeking you. And so today, as he is the risen Lord, I want you to know that God is not, uh, he is not worried about Uh, you running from him because he's coming after you today. And you say, well, I've been trying to escape this all my life. Man, somebody drugged me in here today. Well, man, that's the kind of drugs I like, man. God just drags you right into church, right? That's where God wants you. Because, listen, God is working and he's, he's moving in your life and he is continually looking for you. Look here at verse 19. Look what he did for the disciples. Um, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, when the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews. Man, I love this. They locked the doors because they were afraid of the Jews. These guys were really a brave bunch, weren't they? Their master is crucified and they've been hiding all weekend. Then they assembled together. And uh, as they've assembled together, the doors are locked. And, uh, and, and Jesus came to them. And, and it's like Jesus, they're, it's almost like they're locking Jesus out. I love this. Look what happens. Jesus came and stood in the midst, and he said to them, Peace be with you. Folks, many people today are trying to lock Jesus out. And you're locking Jesus out because you're afraid of something else. You're afraid that if we follow God, then I've got, I've got to lock the doors because if we follow God, that's a little too radical. If we do this, there's a lot of risk. And God says, Listen, I can get behind your closed doors. You go ahead and lock them. I'm still coming. I'm getting behind them. And so Jesus comes in behind the locked doors. Verse 20, when he had seen, when, when he had seen his hands, he shot. I'm sorry. Verse, uh, verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews. Jesus came in and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And then he brings them in. We'll put up the next verse, verse 20 there. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad whenever they saw the Lord. Verse 21. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. Verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Then he says a very interesting thing. He says, If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained And what he says is, I want you to have a plan. I'm going to give you purpose. I'm going to give you meaning. You're going to go out and you're going to spread this good news. But there was one guy who wasn't there, Thomas. You know, you've heard of Doubting Thomas, right? Can you imagine the poor guy? For the rest of eternity, everybody knows the name Doubting Thomas. Man, he was just a good guy. But he had some doubts. 
I mean, people who don't even know about Jesus and the crucifixion, they know doubting Thomas. Like everybody knows that term, doubting Thomas. Verse 24, now Thomas called the twin or Didymus. I love that, Didymus. How would you like to have a name like that? Hey, Thomas, Diddy. Didymus was the Greek. There was a Hebrew and a Greek name, and so Didymus was the Greek name. He calls him the Didymus, the twin, meaning the twin. He was not with him when Jesus came. Verse 25, the other disciple therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see. Now, this was the condition that he puts on for belief. He says, unless I see uh, in his hands the print of the nails, and I put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. I love it. They come to him and they say, hey, hey, Thomas, guess what? We've seen the Lord. <laughs> you weren't with us. Look what you missed out on, Thomas. Thomas goes, you didn't see the risen Lord. What are you talking about? People don't rise from the dead. You're delusional. He says, unless, unless I touch it. Unless I, I, I got to do more than see. I got to reach out and I got to touch him. I, that's my living proof. So what he did was he come along and he put some conditions on it. And I want you to know this. Your doubts will not keep Jesus away. Your doubts will not keep Jesus away. Thomas doubted. Skepticals are welcome here. I love skepticals because you're seeking and you're looking for the answers. And man, as God reveals it to you, know this, that the doubts will not keep Jesus away. God is not afraid of your doubts. He is not worried of your doubts. He's not telling you it's okay. He's saying, listen, I understand, and I can deal with your doubts, and I'm going to help you along the journey. So here's what you do. You come and you take your doubts to God. But let me tell you this. Jesus did not, leave, did not stop his doubts from Jesus coming after him. Verse 27, then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here. Now, I love this. So he appears to them. I'm sorry, verse 26. After eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. And Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, peace be to you. So he comes in. He gets in behind the locked doors. He says, peace be to you. And then verse 27, then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here. Now, I love this. Reach out. Reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but be believing. And you know what? Here's what he did. He encouraged him. He said, Thomas, I want you to take a step towards your doubt. And folks, I want you to do this. Take a step towards your doubt in Jesus Christ. Take a step to discover who Jesus is. That's another point in your notes if you're following along on the back of the bulletin. Take a step to discover who Jesus is. You see, here's what happened. Jesus appeared to him and he showed him his wounds. Folks, he's saying, look at my wounds. He told his disciples, have faith. Look at my wounds. And he comes to Peter, uh, it comes to Thomas, and Thomas says, unless I touch, and Jesus says, Go ahead and touch. Go ahead and reach out. You want the side? You want the hand? Where do you want to do this? And before, now check this out. He, before this, Thomas said, here are my conditions for me to believe. And all of a sudden, he comes along and he drops the conditions. Because look at this. Thomas answered. Now, before, he doesn't even touch him. He sees him. 
And Thomas answers and says, My Lord and my God. He doesn't say, The Lord, the God. He says, My Lord, my God. And right there, what he did was he took a step and he said, Man, I'm going to take a step towards my doubt. Jesus says, Go ahead and reach out. But in the process, he goes, it is God. It is my Lord. It is my God. And so he takes them for his own. And Thomas, uh, Jesus said, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not yet seen and yet have believed. And so today we are on the other side. We're not the eyewitnesses of the physical Lord walking. But I'll tell you what, you're an eyewitness of the risen Lord who is working. You know what? I want to encourage you to give your life to the one who gave his life. Read that with me. Give your life to the one who gave his life for you. I want to encourage you. Come and give your life. Don't make God convenient. This is what we do. We want to make God convenient. We say, God, you know what? If if you stay right over here and you don't... No, no. God says, I want your life. I want you to surrender to me. I want you to give everything to me. I gave it all for you. And as you do that, see, this is what happened. Thomas says, my Lord, my God. And when he did that, he became a believer. And what I want to do for you today is I want to encourage you to become a believer of Jesus. He says in all through the book of John is to believe. He says, look at the wounds and say that they are enough. That's what Thomas did. Thomas looked at the wounds and he says, that's enough. His wounds are enough. That's what I need. And folks, maybe you've been looking at the things in life that don't make sense. Don't have faith in the things of life. Here's what happens. We come through the windshield of faith and we look at life and we're looking through the windshield and what happens is we end up getting tripped up on the windshield and we say, well, this area of my life should be going better if God... And so what we do is we put God to be under my reign. And God says, no, 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 no. Listen, I died on the cross. You're looking at the wrong thing. You need to put the windshield on and you need to look at the cross and interpret everything else in life by the sacrifice that Jesus paid on the cross for you. And now when you interpret everything else, instead of trying to interpret the cross through life, God says, interpret me. Come to me. Look at me. And then life will come together. Life will make sense. Romans 8.11 says this. If the Spirit, here it is, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, And just as God raised Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies, the same Spirit living within you. Listen, according to the Scriptures here, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave is alive and working for you in your life if you will allow Him. He says He comes to those mortal areas, and just as God raised Christ from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies. What is dying in your life right now? Is it your marriage? Is it your job? Is is it just you? Maybe God's shaking you and he's trying to show you the emptiness so that you can put on the eyes of faith and look into his wounds and say they are enough and let him bring life to those areas. 
Because there's a few gifts in that passage that we just read that he gives. One of them, he says, when you do that, the power of God will produce intimacy between you and God. You get to be intimate with God. You get to be close with God. No, we don't have to have a physical body here. We have an intimate relationship. You get to pray. And when you seek God, when you talk to him, you get to know that he's listening and you get to sense his closeness. Man, I love the intimacy I have with the Lord. Man, I feel close to the Lord. Sometimes you feel it, sometimes you don't. But let me tell you, you get this opportunity to go boldly to the throne of grace and talk to him. You get to be intimate. You get to have purpose in life. My goodness, we get to have purpose and peace. God gives us peace. He says, man, peace be unto you when he showed up. He says, I'm going to give you peace. That's one of the gifts. He says, I'm going to give you purpose. Here's the purpose he told him. He said, listen to the disciples. You got to go now and tell everybody. This is your job. And so, listen, God could have done, he could have chosen anybody. He chose a bunch of guys that were hiding for three days to go out and tell everybody that he's alive. I think God wants to use you. I think God wants to use me. I don't think I've been hiding for three days. I haven't locked the doors. Oh, yeah, I have. I've locked a lot of doors in my life and tried to keep God out. But God says, now that you see there's life, go tell everybody. Go tell everybody. And, folks, next week we're going to come back. We're going to continue. We're going to talk about lives that were transformed. We're going to see the transformation. We're going to, like if you want to know how you have areas of your life you need transformation, come back next week. You're going to hear about how to be transformed, the practical things of God. But listen, it comes from the power, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. I'm going to wrap up with this statement here today. Is that the resurrection of Jesus is not something, it's not just to be an event that's to be celebrated. We're here today. We are celebrating. Man, at one o'clock, I am celebrating with a dozen of eggs, peanut butter eggs. That is my source of protein. That is my, my wonderful thing that God allows me every Easter. I go right down to Rite Aid and I buy a dozen eggs. We're supposed to celebrate. Yes, amen. Let's celebrate. We thank God for the celebration of him. Yes, thank God for him. But if you leave it as an event to celebrate, as a reason to have a dinner, as a reason for peanut butter eggs, you missed it. God says it's a power to be experienced in your life, to bring the dead back to life. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed today, I think there are many people in our room and watching online that God's been speaking to you. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And he wants you, he wants to give you that faith today. Some of you have been on a journey. Maybe you've been walking through the doubt and you've, been, you've taken a step. You're here today. I want to encourage you to keep taking steps. Keep walking the journey. Because as you keep taking another step towards it, as you take another step, all of a sudden... One day you're going to wake up and you're going to say, my Lord and my God, and he will be yours. Maybe today's that day for you. The scriptures tell us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He 
He says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved from the punishment of their sin. And maybe today is that day. Maybe, maybe for you, if, that's, if today is your day, I want to encourage you. Would you just pray to the Lord and just pray something like this? Just say, Dear Jesus, quietly between you and the Lord. Say, Jesus, today's my day. I'm taking a step towards you. I'm reaching out. I got a lot of doubt. But I know that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. You died on the cross. You were buried and you rose again. So God, I'm coming to you and I say today that your wounds are enough. I'm trusting you. Come into my life and resurrect the dead parts of my life, Lord. Father God, be with each person in this room and each person online. Those that have prayed today, Lord, I pray that you will be honored and adored by their celebration of this day. But more importantly, Lord, we celebrate with those that have just come to Jesus Christ. Lord, many in this room, many online have opened their hearts to Jesus. God, I pray that this will be the beginning of a journey, Lord, and that you will keep opening their eyes, opening all of our eyes. Lord, I pray for all of us, Lord, many of us. We've been following you for many years, but yet there's things in our life that have shriveled up and died. There's things that we don't understand. We need you to grow our faith. Thank you for the gift of faith, and thank you that it comes from you. It's not a work. It's from God himself. Lord, be with us now as we close our service and we worship you. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing a closing song. Amen. As we sing this, Let's celebrate what he's done. I want to encourage you today, if you prayed with me, take that that connection card on the back. It says, I prayed. Mark that down and put it in the bucket as you leave. Let's stand and sing the song, Praise the Name of the Lord Our God. my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me I see his wounds his hands his feet my Savior on that cursed tree his Drenched in tears, they laid him down in Joseph's tomb. He entered sealed by heavy soul, the silence still, and all
reality is that we can't fully comprehend how you can be all of who you are. And think of us. You think of me. Daily. You have a desire to be a part of my life, and I can't understand why. It's one of those things that's too good to be true, but yet it is. I don't think my job is to understand why. I think all that I'm supposed to do.